Welcome to the Wartime Leadership Podcast, where we explore what spiritual resiliency looks like from different perspectives. We often focus on the physical, emotional, and social areas of resiliency, but too often we neglect the spiritual pillar. Now, this looks different for everyone. We will be exploring what spiritual resilience looks like in the lives of our guests, who are people from all different walks of life. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Success Draft, where we help you transform your dreams into drafted plans. Head over to successdraft.com to get started on your future today. This episode's guest is Sylvester Jenkins III. He is the bounce back expert. And when you hear his story, you will understand why. Trust me. He is an author, speaker, personal development consultant, mental health advocate, and a retired Army veteran of 21 years. Welcome, Sylvester. Hey, thanks, Nate. I greatly appreciate the opportunity, man, and I'm doing very phenomenal right now. Man, I, I am looking forward to this. I, I know I say that like almost every single week, and I'm sure that my my guests are like, when are you not excited? But to, to <laughs> today I am. Like, listen, folks, I have I have known Sylvester now for a while, but yet we just met. And I say that because I have watched every single thing that this man has put out. Like I have been a YouTube fiend watching different things, reading the books, listening to the books. He actually gave me an opportunity to read uh, his latest book that just came out. And I have to tell you, man, you you motivate me. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that, man. I really do. It's, it's uh. It's a great feeling to know that you inspire and motivate other people, man, by your story and your message. Oh, 100%. And listen, folks, we're going to get into his story. And trust me, you are going to want to listen to every minute of this podcast because the story that he is going to tell you will move you. It will motivate you. It'll get you going in the right direction. But before we do that, we have to do five simple questions. Easy, easy questions. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> all right, here we go. Question number one. What is the greatest movie of all time? Wow. Uh, <clears throat> greatest yeah, I told movie you. of all time. I told you. It always gets there on that first question. Yeah, greatest movie of all time for me um, is Rocky IV. Oh, come on. Ivan Drago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will break you. <laughs> <laughs> I will break you. You know, today... Miguel Gorbachev actually passed away today. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, I just saw it on the news a little while ago, 92 years old, but taking it right back to that Soviet era, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that movie is one of the greatest movies just due to the fact of you actually seen Rocky at his lowest point mm. and you see him come back from nothing. You know, he had uh, pretty much went through the struggles of losing his best friend, not having no actual, you know, support. When it mm -hmm. came to where he was at during that time, and he was had a level of fear, but he overcame it. Mm. And he got into that ring. So I think that was one of the greatest movies out there right now. Sitting there looking up at Ivan Drago, I'll break you. Yes, no, <laughs> no, that's looking fear in the eyes right there. All right, what is one thing that you find repulsive? One thing that I find repulsive is people that do not show their greatness mm. they sleep on themselves they have that self-doubt 
to let that inner critic creep up and just stop them from showing their greatness. That's one thing that just, you know, just get up under my skin. And I'm already okay. Listen, folks, you're going to want to have out paper, even with the five simple questions, the inner critic. Yes. Wow. Man, you know what? I've, I've actually seen a growing trend. Whenever I ask people this that I consider leaders, mm -hmm. those are the type of answers that I get. <laughs> Other people are like, farts. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well okay, I, I get what you're talking about. but And then, then I get the answers like that from people like you. And it really just kind of sets up this, okay, so this is the way this interview is going to go. I love it. You're going to bring a lot to us, and I'm excited. Who is your favorite superhero? Uh, my favorite superhero is Batman. Okay, why? I, I love Batman because um, he's human, man. You got to think, man, the dude's a, a, a billionaire, right? But he still chooses to go out and, and, you know, fight crime and save the world, even though he ain't got to. Dude mm -hmm. ain't got nothing to worry about in life. He can just sit there and just, you know, spin vacay whatever it might be but he chose to put himself on the line and serve and defend gotham city now which one do you prefer do you prefer the newer batmans or the older batmans uh man i gotta say man uh michael keaton is the best batman thank you thank you somebody said val kilmer and i'm like uh, no. i don't know <laughs> you, you're not no. a true fan apparently so all right hey i'm giving you two plane tickets well, okay. Let's say I'm giving you two plane tickets. One is to somewhere that you have already been, and another is to somewhere that you've already been. Okay. Where are these two tickets to? All right. So the first place I would go um, that I have already been is the Bahamas, uh, because you know I like the sun, the beach, and it was very, very uh, eye-opening, something new you know, somewhere I've never been before. And it just felt so good just being in a different environment like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the next place I would like to go that I haven't been yet is uh, Italy. I've never been to Italy before. And it's also a different culture. You know, uh, the French uh, is just a whole nother world for me, man. And then my wife always begging and pleading me to take her. Ah, well, I mean, that's a good reason to go. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you know, the Italian food in Italy is so much better. <laughs> I believe it. So much better. Man, I've I've been blessed with some of the places I've been able to go, and Italy was one of the greatest ones. All right, so let's see. For the final question, for the final question, what is a hidden talent that not very many people know about that you have? that I have a hidden talent. Oh man, that now that's the uh a game stopper right there for me. <laughs> hidden talent that a lot of people don't know that I have is that uh I'm pretty much a handyman. I can fix it whatever it might be. Everybody just think I'm uh this non-physical individual when it comes down to doing a lot of dirty work, but you put it in front of me, I'm going to figure it out and fix it. Okay, so then what was your MOS in the army? Uh, my MOS in the Army was a uh, mechanic. Okay. So, see, I can kind of see where, where you get a little grease underneath the nails there. Yeah, I got a little grease up under the nails, but I wasn't the best at it while I was in there. So I never <laughs> gave up hope. You know what I'm saying? I just stuck with the fight and did everything I could in order to figure it out. And 90% of the time, man, I got the job done. 
All right. Well, hey, now that we know and we transitioned quite well into this, why don't you walk us through your background, where you came from, what what you did, mm-hmm. how how you've gotten up to this point in your life? Absolutely. So uh, for me, um, I'm from Columbus, Georgia, grew up in a low income, single parent home, a gang and drug infested neighborhood where a young man was only expected to do three things. And that's go to jail, die or make it out on pure luck. Uh, But for me, instead of becoming a product of my environment, I just chose to invest in myself and uh, join the military instead. And uh, I was just beating the eyes with no luck, just all hard work and determination. Uh, But by the age of 13, I had uh, already, you know, joined the gang. I was an aspiring drug dealer, a gang member, and an occasional thief. I failed multiple times in school. Let me go down this list for you. I failed the fourth grade, the sixth grade, the eighth grade, the 10th grade, 10th grade summer school, and the 12th grade. Um, as a child, I was, uh, I dealt with so many issues as far as emotional neglect. I dealt with loneliness, depression. I also dealt with um, identity issues because I grew up without a father. Uh, just going down that path as far as like not having a sense of hope, a way of, uh, a way of life. I was always looking for survival. And when I was going down this dirt path, if you want to call it, I never seen myself in positions of leadership, right? I never seen myself in a position where I could be the leader. I never thought that I could ever be a leader. I never had that confidence or belief. And for me, it's a difference between managers and leaders. And I felt like after my first eight years in the military, I had transitioned from a follower to a manager. And, um, it wasn't until my third deployment to Iraq that I realized that obligation as far as me becoming a leader. And uh, what happened was we was getting ready to board the plane and we got the last hour to spend with our families. And uh, one of my soldiers, you know, he introduced me to his family, his whole family, mother, father, wife, kids, all those people. And uh, we were just standing there talking. They gave me all these accolades Well, he gave me all these accolades. And they were so impressed by how everything that he had said. You know, his mother had pulled me to the side and just told me, please take care of my son and to bring him back home safe. Now, if you've ever been on any deployment going to Iraq or Afghanistan, you know, that's a promise that you just can't make. But at the same time, I gave it a head nod and said, I'll do the best I can. Mm. But when, when that happened, it just gave me a sense of confidence because she believed in me that I could take care of her son. And it wasn't like a family member. It was somebody that I never met before. This is the first time I'm meeting this person. And she giving me trust of somebody that she gave birth to and saying, he's yours now. Just do the best you can in order to make sure you bring him back home the same way he left. And for that, it was astounding to me, man. I, I felt like I need to do whatever I could in order to develop myself so I can be the greatest leader I could for the individuals that was up under me. And that's what I did. Now, as I was going through the process of this deployment, I was also facing the acrimonious divorce. Um, you know, my, uh, my wife at that time, she had, uh, she left me, man. I, I came back home to nothing. The car was gone. The, uh, the house was empty. Everything, my bank account was drained. It was on red. So it was like, man, I came back home to literally nothing. And during that time frame of me trying to reintegrate back into life because you know, when you're in combat, you have possibility and probability. Your life is on the line 24-7. You go through so much uh, hardships dealing with your soldiers and just trying to save face and everything else. 
that I found myself in a position where I wanted to take my own life. I had wanted to wave the white flag and just throw in the towel, man. I literally wanted to throw in the towel. I resorted to drugs and alcohol to try and suppress the pain. It was just a continuous cloud over my head that never stopped raining. And all I was doing is just looking for the sunshine. And I never seen it for a long period of time. And uh, after going down that path and dealing with all those things, man, I had to find myself. Uh, you know, I asked myself two questions. You know, I said, who am I for myself? And then also, uh, have I created something that would be beneficial for my family, my kids, for the rest of their life? And when I did that, I noticed that I lost myself because I was always striving to be the best leader, to be the best husband, to be the best father. And all those things, I never thought about myself. And you can't leave yourself hanging at no point in time. You got to be present for yourself just as much as you are for everybody else. Because, you know, whenever you're flying on a plane, they always tell you what? Before you try to assist anybody else in putting on their mask, don your mask first. And that's what I had to do. So that's a little bit about me and my story. Wow. And wow. And so 21 years in, how, uh, what was your rank when you went on your third deployment? Well, my rank, when I went on my third deployment, I was a staff sergeant at that time. I went on a, uh, I retired as a first sergeant. Okay. So here it is. You're, you're a staff sergeant and mom comes up to you and hugs you. Had he ever talked to you before about how proud he was or, or that you had taken care of him in that way? No, never, never. You know, we always, you know, laugh and joke in the motor pool and, you know, just going through the motions of just mentorship and everything else, man. So I never thought I had that much of an impact on this soldier. But then at the time of us getting ready to leave, to hear all those things, it was like, whoa, what, where this come from? Like, I'm kind of amazed because all I was doing was just being myself. I was just taking um, the steps that I figured I needed in order to take care of soldiers. You know, like mm -hmm. I said, being a manager. Yeah, well, and... In, in some ways, that's probably what they needed in their life at that moment. But we too often forget about two-way communication and two-way right. feedback, right? Right. Absolutely. I think uh, that's one of the uh, key points of effective communication as far as that, that two-way. So, I mean, I think you that was a great point. I never thought about it like that. <laughs> it's... It, but but we forget about those key moments, but then it's at that key moment when you really needed to hear it because you needed to have your cup completely filled right that entirety of that that time. And then when you came back, what did you do? Like what what was going through your mind whenever you got back and you saw like everything was gone? Because you were there for a 365, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got extended that year too. So I did a 15 month tour. Oof. And that's that's a lot of money in your bank account. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a jaw dropping, if mm. I want to say, you know, it was jaw dropping, heart, heart stopping. It was, man, when I say I was like at a, at a breaking point, I was literally at a breaking point. Um, I had already knew about the bank account being empty when I got back, but I didn't know about all the furniture and everything in the house being gone, the, the electricity being cut off. Mm. I didn't know about the car being gone or anything like that refrigerator empty everything man so it was like whoa you know that was like a, a punch in the face mm -hmm. they, you know they say like if you get, the biggest reaction you can ever make is after you get punched in the face that's how you know you know what your true character and where you stand 
Mm-hmm. When you get punched in the face so hard that you don't know how to react to it. And that's and, what happened to me. And that's huge to sit there and think that you came home after being in an environment where you have to be clear-headed, clear-minded. Right. You have to know what's going on. Your head have to, has to be on a swivel. You have to know what's around you 24-7 in a position of leadership. Right. Management, yes, but leadership where you're managing soldiers all the way right. around. And then to come home and just want to be able to brain dump and then... Voila. Yeah. yeah. Voila. Uh, another boat on your shoulder. So I know you probably didn't think about it like this, but even when you were a child, when you were a latchkey kid right. growing up, you were a leader of one. Yeah. So Absolutely. take us take us through your leadership style. How did it develop from being a latchkey kid to being, you know, in a gang, even right. even in the gang environment? And right. then changing over to the army, like how did it develop as you went through? Uh, so over time, you know, you just uh, pick up on things that people do around you. Uh, you know, you become like a sponge. But for me, when I was a, a latchkey kid, I, w- I found myself just looking for a, a sense of acceptance. And when I was looking for this sense of acceptance, the game become, became like a surrogate family to me because my mother, she was working 12 hours. She'd be gone by the time I come home. And then by the time I get ready for school in the morning, she going back to work again. So it was like, I never had that, that type of uh, uh, love or affection that I was looking for, but I knew I had to have some way of, of survival. I had to figure it out one way or another. And during my transition into the military, all I was doing, you know, most people, they joined the military because they had family members that did it or they wanted to serve their country. Now, I was looking for uh, a way out of the, the hood and also a uh, purpose, you know? And just so happened, I just stumbled upon, like, um, some of the traits I unleashed, like my inner warrior. That's what I did, honestly. Uh, I unleashed my inner warrior. I went through the motions, man, of just trying to invest in myself and developing myself, and but I didn't want to do it by myself. Because I read a quote that said, if you want to go uh, fast, go alone. But if you want to go further, go together. So I always say together, we are the change. We change the environment around us. We change how everything operates and flows. It's because of us that everything moves the way it does. And I always said, for me, I kept it in my mind because I became a servant leader behind that and thinking in that, uh, in that type of mindset. And when I did, I, I had on my whiteboard, it's not about you. So every morning when I came into work, I seen that it's not about you. It's not about you because nothing would run the way it would if you didn't have these people around you. Nothing would go how it should if you don't have these people, invest in these people and let them know how great they are, how, how much you need them just as much as they need your leadership. So I kept that in mind throughout the whole process and just continue to uh, invest in my soldiers and develop them to be uh, leaders because your number one responsibility as a leader is to turn followers into leaders. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, how now that you're retired and you've right. moved into basically corporate coaching, at right. this point, what, how have you seen that transition over into and carried over with you into this new adventure? Oh, man, it's, it's so... It's like a, uh, you go from uh, boots to business. 
in a nutshell, pretty much, right? So, you know, the same thing that I was doing in the military, I'm doing right now. So there's no difference outside of what I wear on a daily basis. You know, I go in there, same outfit, I mean, with, uh, you know, suit, tie, whatever it might be. But at the same time, when I go in there and I talk to these people, I still have that leadership style as I did before. You know, I have a level of empathy and they respect it just due to the fact that they know about my background as far as me being in the military, me having those uh, running organizations and they running, you know, how they should. And for me to just invest that time and opportunity into civilians as I did soldiers, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems like it was, it translated quite well. And, yeah, very and much so. the clients know exactly what they're getting when they get you, right? Absolutely. They're not getting the full first sergeant, but they're getting, no, no, they're getting a little getting bit of it. <laughs> unless they need it. Unless they need it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so with with your philosophy, with your style, uh, you have transitioned. And, and, and usually I take this next portion into define spiritual resiliency. Mm-hmm. But I really like how you kind of define all four of what you call life canteens. Right, right, right. Uh, Absolutely. Because that, you know, it's that military background, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's kicking with it. Uh, but take us through first define spiritual resiliency, but then okay. also walk us through resiliency as a whole. Okay. So absolutely. For me, uh, spiritual resiliency is just uh, developing a deeper connection with you and God. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we face trials and tribulations, one of the main things that you can do is develop a level of faith. And when you invest that time in developing your faith, you will start to strengthen um, your, uh, I want to say, your sense of courage in order to, you know, navigate through any obstacles that you go through and rise above. So that's uh, spiritual resilience to me. But the actual resilience itself, everybody knows that is bouncing back from adversity successfully. And I say successfully because you can bounce back, but still deal with that, you know, that trauma later on down the line. So I always say it's bouncing back from adversity successfully. And I always give the, the analogy of the shock absorbers on your car. So when you driving your car down this dark, bumpy road, right, uh, which is pretty much the adversity that you face, when you're driving your car down this road and you got the shock ups over, it's the representation of resilience. Now, whenever you hit a bump, you hit, you still hit that bump, but the impact is not as bad as it would be without it. So that's why you should always try to develop your level of resiliency. So therefore, whenever you do run into those obstacles, you can push through without having any major wounds or anything like that. But uh, I have this thing to pre- uh, prevent me from going down this path called the four canteens of life. And the four canteens of life consist of a spiritual canteen, a physical canteen, a mental canteen, and a social canteen. Now that mental canteen, like whatever you tune into, you turn into. Let me just say that first off, whatever you tune into, you turn into. Because what you feed your brain is just as important as what you feed your body. So you don't wanna sit here and just feed your mind with all this negative content. You want to make sure that you're pouring positivity into it. You want to make sure that you're listening to podcasts like this. You want to make sure that you're watching YouTube University in order to learn or listen to motivational uh, speeches. You want to make sure that you're reading books to develop yourself personally and professionally. So that mental canteen, that's how you pour into it. 
I mean, that's how you drink from it. But then you have that spiritual canteen. Now, I already told you what spiritual resilience mean to me. But in order to develop your level of spirituality, now, you know, for me, I'm a Christian. So that's how I operate. That's how I flow. But for most people, they might not find themselves in that position of thinking in that aspect. So you still have like yoga, meditation, Buddhism, all these other ones that you can utilize in order to develop your spiritual growth. So you need to take the opportunity to invest in those areas and make sure you drink from this cup as well as you do your mental cup. Now that physical, that physical is a whole nother level. You know, in the military, we do PT. So of course, you know, it's good to get those endorphins going, but you have to do it on the individual basis yourself. That's how you push yourself to that limit. I think it was uh, who David Groggins who said we all got a, a like a, a governor on us. And in order to push ourselves past that governor, we have to make sure we give maximum effort when, they, when we do that. So most people might not go to a physical level in that aspect, but you can still go for a walk. You can go for a jog. You can do aerobics. You can do, you know, like a yoga, whatever it might be. Either way it go, you need to do some type of physical uh, exercise. Just 30 minutes of your time. You got 24 hours in the day. Just get 30 minutes of your time to invest in yourself. All these things I'm talking about is investing in yourself. Nobody else. Because you need to invest in yourself. You're the greatest investment that you will ever make. But then you have that social canteen. Now, the social canteen, you know, in the military, we have battle buddies. I'm going to call my battle buddy up. We're going to go hang out. We're going to have a good time. And these are people that you literally connected with just due to the fact that y'all been through the trials and tribulations. Y'all been through the hard times together. You know each other to a point where, like, hey, if I'm down bad, I can see it through you, battle. I know you're going through some things right now. They're going to get you on the right path. They're going to keep you on the straight and narrow. They ain't going to let you fall short. You might get off track. I mean, you might get sidetracked, but you're not going to get off track. You understand what I'm saying? So when it comes to this situation, it might be friends, family, sister, brother, mother, whoever it might be, your spouse. Either way it go, you need to make sure that you express yourself with other people and talk about it. It's not all about manning up. A lot of times it's about opening up. Wow. Opening up, not manning up necessarily. Right. So how do you build resiliency within yourself in, in either any choose a canteen. Let, let's drink from a canteen. How do you refill the canteen? Oh, absolutely, man. That's a great question. I like where you came from with that one. Yeah. You you refill the canteen due to the fact that you know you uh you get yourself back together on point. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times you you can never run from an empty cup as long as you're hitting all four areas, right? You will never drink the full amount of each canteen as long as you invest a short amount throughout your day. So say for me, for instance, when I wake up in the morning, I'm all I, I got an attitude of gratitude off off top because I got another day. Let me just make that point straight. Um, but I invest 15 minutes of my day, prayer and meditation, 15 minutes, right? 45 minutes, I work out. You know what I'm saying? The, another 45 minutes after I come back from showering and doing all those things. You know what I'm doing? I'm either watching YouTube University or I'm reading a good book or I'm listening to a great podcast. I'm pouring into my, you know, uh, that from that mental canteen. And then... I have multiple conversations. Me and my wife, we drank coffee. We had conversations. How you doing today, baby? What's going on with you? Is everything all right with you? Go ahead and speak your mind. 
You got an attitude this morning? What's going on? Let's hash this out. Let's make something happen. Hey, mom, what's going on with you? Everything good with you? Likewise, you got to put yourself around people that's going to pour into you as much as they pour, uh, as much as you pour into them. You know, you your circle is one of the biggest things that you can ever have, man. And you want to make sure that you're around like-minded people because you can't soar with eagles running with chickens. Man, there it is. Eagles and chickens. Where where did that come from? I actually had a chief that said that to me. Really? Oh, yeah. So I, I heard it from uh, Joe Alstein. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's where he got it from as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe he got it from Joel. So with the canteens, I, I don't think that people that aren't in the military or don't have that background in the military won't, they'll probably think of canteen. They're like, oh, camping, you know, oh, okay, <laughs> I get it. Right. But I understand and you understand right. the importance of the canteen, even right. from day one, basic training, like right. it, it starts there. When I was a drill instructor, you know, every single morning, you'll drink one half to three quarters of canteen each and every hour, not to exceed one or 12 canteens per day. It's drilled into you every single day that you need right. to hydrate. You got to hydrate. You got to right. hydrate. They even got the hydration flow chart next to you at the urinal, right? Like you got to right. see what level you're at. Yeah, you hey, what are you at today? You, yeah. you, at, you at off white or yellow? Like which one are you at? Because of the importance, because we know what we're going to be putting our bodies through. Our bodies right. are going to be in shock. They're going to go through stress. It's the same thing mentally. Right. And so Absolutely. when when I heard that, the first time the four canteens right. we're talking about, I was like, oh my gosh, like this makes so much sense to me in that sense of the military. Like we're going to put ourselves through stress each right. and every single day. And you're going to have to take a little bit of each canteen. But guess what? This is this is what blew my mind. They overlap. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hey, you want to go work out tomorrow? Guess what? I'm now hitting social and physical. Now I'm not drinking from just one canteen. I'm taking a little bit from each. Exactly. Exactly. You get it. <laughs> oh, man, it blew my mind whenever I actually thought about it in that sense. I was like, that's it's so easy. It's so smart. Oh, my goodness. Look, I got the knife hand going. <laughs> it's so easy to think about it from that way. But what about with your family? Like you've already talked about how you and your wife sit down across from each other. You try right. to each morning. Right. What are some other ways that you build it within your family, your kids? You said you even mentioned your mom again. Right. So, I mean, like you have to take that opportunity in time with your kids, man. You got to. That's one of the greatest. I feel for me is one of the greatest titles I ever have is being a father, you know, and I take it very I take I don't take it for granted because I know my kids, man, like if I don't take the opportunity, I sit down and conversate with them. I got two teenage boys and a and a young one. It's easier to talk to my youngest son because he's only 10. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about Minecraft, Fortnite, and all those things. And we can sit there and have a conversation for hours. And all I'm doing is just listening. That's all they want. They just want you to listen. That's it. Just see from their perspective. I always give the analogy to people, man, about the, ele I mean, not the elephant, but the giraffe and the tortoise, right? So as a, as a giraffe, you can see where the pond of water is in order to hydrate yourself and stay alive. That's you as the parent. But your kids, they're the tortoise. All this is the rubbish in front of them. They don't know how to navigate in order to get to that pond that you're trying to get them to to drink that water. 
But as long as you just have that sense of empathy in order to relate with them and just listen to them, you'll be able to get to a point where they're able to just navigate themselves and have their own GPS to get to that water. Man, yet again, here you go, blowing my mind again. I never heard about the giraffe and the tortoise, but I'm going to use that with my son. We have a, we have a 14 year old. Oh yeah, uh, he's only been he's only been with us for two years, but okay, you know we're we're navigating some of that EQ stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, some of that that mental side and 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 any of those different resiliency paths we're taking right now. You know, one of the greatest individuals I've ever heard talk about EQ was a was a prior army officer. Really who graduated from West Point, uh, Noble Gibbons. Right. He, he He's known as the EQ gangster. If you ever look him up, the EQ, EQ gangster. gangster. Dude, Man. this guy will blow your mind with some of the things he talks about with EQ. But I see a lot of that aligning with what you're talking about. Absolutely, man. I think uh, emotional intelligence is the biggest thing any leader could have, man. Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the most crucial, uh, what I want to say, man, just one of the crucial things you can have as a leader develop your emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Once you have that, man, you're able to put yourself in situations where you're always the thermostat and not the thermometer. Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be a lot of times where soldiers tick you off, man. You know what I'm saying? They don't believe in themselves. They don't find themselves able to do certain things that you tell them to do. They want to pop off at the mouth. But you have to be that thermostat and control the temperature. Mm -hmm. Don't conform to whatever they're seeing because they get you hot. You'll turn bloodshot red. <laughs> you're you're gonna get the knife hand yeah absolutely you just you know hard but fair hard yes. but fair and, and with that side with emotional intelligence that i found that i have found most useful is a lot of the other instructors when we're in drill and stuff like that like they're getting they're blowing up they're going every which way like they're just getting mad to get mad because they think that that's who they have to be in that environment right. and it's not true it, right. Even even at work, they don't have to be that individual. We grew up in a generation, you don't ask why, you just do, you go out, you, you execute, and that's it. But yep. yet this generation today is very much why-centered. Exactly. They want to know, it's, we think you're questioning me, but we're not, you're not questioning me, you're questioning the process. Exactly. Legitly want to know why we're doing something and there's opportunities where i say listen i just need you to execute it right now but i'll follow <laughs> it up and and they got to know that about me like they would legitimately take that time to do it but you you've talked a lot about your family yourself and and how you refill your cups your canteens in those environments but what right. about your teams how do you help your team members fill up that canteen oh that Man, you hey, you coming with some questions today, man. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So I, the way you develop your team, man, as far as get uh, doing that, man, like you have to let them know your intent, man. You have, you you can't. You got to be transparent. You can't sit there and just always be like you said, man. This hard ass or be stern. You have to really let them know the intent behind everything that's transpiring and going on. And you got to be very vulnerable, man. Like because. Uh, I heard somebody say one day, man, that even Superman had to be Clark Kent sometimes. And, you know, when, when you are Clark Kent, that's letting them know that like, okay, Big Sarge human just like me. You know, he gonna have his bad days just as much as I do. But I know that at the same time, he got my best interests at heart. And he gonna make sure that I see my way through. And he's just only looking out for my best interests, my welfare and my well-being. 
And as long as you're doing that, as long as you're doing that, you're making progress. Now, as far as showing them and teaching them, you got to make it relatable. Because like you said, we live in a Y generation. You got to make it very relatable. You got to break it down to their level. You got to speak about your experiences. This is where the transparent and vulnerability come into play. Because at one point in time, you was, you know, the lowest uh, soldier on the totem pole. You wasn't always where you were. So you experienced some times where you didn't feel like doing anything that your leaders told you to do. But you got to make it relatable to them for they to understand why. Why are we doing this? What's the purpose behind it? How would this benefit me? Because a lot of soldiers now, they want to know what's in it for me. What's mm -hmm. the benefit behind this? What do I gain from it? And as long as you're relatable behind that and you share with them what the benefit is behind it, they'll grasp everything that you say. They'd be like a wet sponge just taking up all the water. Man, absolutely. And and that's that was the hardest hurdle to overcome for me is to understand it's not about me. It's not about me. So actually tomorrow morning when I go to work, I'm going to write that on my door. <laughs> it's not about you. Yeah, it's not about you, man. Put I had that to up keep there. that in mind. Everybody need that reminder sometimes, man. Like you go in there with a chip on your shoulder sometimes, you know, sometimes you can find yourself as the leader bringing home, I mean, bringing to work what you experienced at home. The frustration that you probably had with uh, your kids not doing, taking care of their responsibilities or not staying in line with what you have as far as your household rules or whatever it might be. You, you and your spouse got into it. You come to work and then all of a sudden, boom, some soldier just come in out of nowhere and just say the wrong thing. And you ticked off. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, you got to look at that boy. It's not about me. It's not about <laughs> me. Let me make sure I calm down. Woosa, woosa. <laughs> hey, so why don't you take us through a moment, uh, a time, something that you went through in life? You know, it could have been at the beginning, you know, middle, where, wherever it is. And take us through how a, a time when you had to be mentally resilient or spiritually resilient in order to be able to make it through something. Man, I got so many of those, man. I got, <laughs> I, I, I promise you, I got so many of those. Um, I say like it was recent, man. Matter of fact, so January 2019, I was deployed. I was in, in charge of 160 soldiers. Uh, I was the first sergeant at that time. And uh, what happened was I was going through uh, marital issues with my current spouse. Uh, I was going through the motions of being like, you know what I'm saying, aggravated just due to the fact that I was separated from my kids. They had an older stage where they understand that it's a possibility that daddy might not come home. Not only that, but the soldiers in my organization, they was uh, having negligence whenever they were going down <clears throat> come to missions. So they was getting into multiple accidents uh, and then also we had a lot of young soldiers that was, uh, had suicide ideations. So all these things were just piling up one after another. Right. And then all of a sudden I received a phone call from my brother and he had called me and told me that my mother was in the hospital and that she was on, she was dying and he don't know if she was going to make it or not. So my mother has always been my rock. She has always been a champion in my eyes. And she was one of the closest people that I had ever, you know, experienced. She was my first love, right? And for me to experience or all those things and then to hear that, I crumbled. I broke. I literally went to, uh, I ran to behavioral health a couple of days later. 
<laughs> after you know this now all this transpired man like because initially i was contemplating on whether i was going to go home on emergency leave or not and uh my sergeant major uh she called me and she was like uh carpe diem you don't know the time or the day whenever you'll see these loved ones again so you need to take your behind home so i went home spent two weeks with my mom it was one of the hardest things i could ever see just due to the fact that she needed assistance doing everything and then also she was on the oxygen. So it was kind of difficult for me, man. So it was just adding more onto whatever I was experiencing. I didn't take the opportunity to actually communicate with my spouse that whole two weeks just due to the fact I was only focused on my mother because this could be possibly be the last time I would see her. So I didn't uh, try to resolve my marriage during that time. I didn't really spend no time with the kids. And then when I come back to the organization on the deployment, next thing you know, um, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. I was uh, having a strong sense of anxiety. I was depressed, I was stressed. And then uh, all of a sudden I was like, man, I can't take it no more. And I ran to behavioral health. I kicked down the door and said, hey, I need somebody to give me something right now to help me suppress this pain that I'm dealing with. I don't care what it is, I haven't slept in 48 hours. And then they were like, calm down first time, calm down. And I'm like, no, you don't tell me what to do. Just give me some, give me what I need. So uh, they said, just come to the back room. We fill out some paperwork and just tell us all what's going on. And I just released everything that I was going through, everything that was transpiring during that time <clears throat> that I was experiencing. And uh, when I had did that, man, I had just uh, felt like a, a soda after you shake it up and you take the top off. It was just like exploded all over the place. But when that happened, it gave me an opportunity to like, speak to somebody outside of you know uh myself because i felt like at that time i didn't really have nobody like i said i was going through marital issues uh also my mother you know who i felt like you know she had her own issues going on it's a possibility she was you know what i'm saying it was at the end of her rope which she did pass away uh later on the following year but at that during that time frame i felt like i didn't have nobody and to be able to express myself without any judgment Without, you know, because as a senior leader, everybody expects you to be like hardcore rock, never deal with anything. Yep. And always, you, you always in that gray area where you got to suppress your emotions and your pain. And so you never get an opportunity to really um, deal with a lot of things that you go through. You don't at no point in time because you always focus on everybody else and not yourself. And at that time, I realized, you know, I really got to be transparent to be present for myself and not everybody else. I really got to focus on me until the focus is on me. Wow. And so your mom actually ended up passing away that following year. Yeah, she, she passed away the following year after I had came back. A month after I had came back, she passed away. So see, it's probably pretty good that whoever spoke that to you that you yeah, need to take those absolutely. two weeks. Man, it's man, your your mom. I can't imagine going back and seeing a mom that had fought so hard during the time of growing up, even though she wasn't quote wasn't there. She really right. was she because really, of the, yes, the really amount was. of fight she was putting behind it. Right. Absolutely, man. Like uh, my mother, I, I literally watched her fall down several times and get back up eight. You know, she had, she dropped out of school at 16 because uh, she got pregnant. 
not only that, but then she never graduated high school. So she can't get like a, a sufficient job where she's out here working corporate or anything like that. And then at the same time, uh, my father, I had an abusive father. She got into an abusive relationship and then I, <clears throat> they got divorced when I was three. So, you know, for her to, you know, saying to actually step out of, you know, that situation that she was in after dealing with all that for so long and to deal with, you know, not being able to really go out here and get a, a decent job. She was working for minimum wage, 12 hours, tooth and nail. Like she couldn't afford childcare. So a lot of times we slept in the car of the parking lot of where she worked at. And anytime that she would come down, she'd check on us real quick and make sure we were good. We would get dressed right there sometimes when I was younger. We'll get dressed right there and go to school. She'll drop us off at school and then she'll go home and get some rest. And then by the time we come home, she gone back to work, you know, or whatnot. Mm. So she, went she, a lot, she was doing she was doing a hard job too. I mean, she was working in a cotton factory and yeah, yeah, yeah. a busy one too. Yeah. She working at a cotton mill, man. She worked at one of the biggest cotton mills in in, uh, in Georgia, man. So to to deal with that, I seen her so tired, man. Sometimes, man, where uh, she couldn't even take off her work boots. I was just trying to do the best I could to, you know, assist her any way I can and uh, try to take some of the load off her, man. As far as everything that was transpiring, because uh, my older brother, he was he was more in the streets, but he also took on a, a responsibility at an early age dealing with me. We, he's seven years older than me, and at the same time, he never really uh, left my side as far as trying to make sure I was good. Mm-hmm. But he was only doing what he could from what he what he knew. You know what I'm saying? Just like my mom, she was only going from a standpoint what she knew. She only knew survival. Mm-hmm. She never had a man to really take care of her, to make her feel like a queen. So she had to compensate for a lot of things that a man would normally do for, for their wife. And for her to go through that as far as being a protector, provider. And then it was, that's where the emotional neglect come into play because she had all these things going on. that wasn't no real nurturing in mm-hmm. the process. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I, but she was a champion, man. Like, Hey, that girl fought tooth and nail. I seen her beat breast cancer. So she beat breast cancer at one point in time too, before she died of this uh, disease called scoloderma. <clears throat> So, I mean, like, I seen her fight. She's a warrior, man. And then uh, all of a sudden that happened. And I was like, man, to see her in that position was, like, mind-blowing, man, because you never want to see your parents in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you have true uh, love for them at any point in time. If they mean so much to you, to see them at that state is very uh, crushing. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, it's hard enough being a dad. Right, it's, yeah, it's, it's It's even worse or harder trying to be mom and dad and dad right and, and she she raised you right she did a lot of things really really well giving you a strong work ethic that you carry oh, yeah. through 21 years and now you carry into corporate side but then also was a great example of what you needed to be to your kids absolutely, absolutely. In that same my, sense. Mom, my mom told me share with me three things man that i live by she said uh the world don't owe you nothing you know what i'm saying so everything that you get you earn it she also said hey you know what I'm saying? If you started, you better finish. And then she also said, it cost you nothing to be kind to people. It don't cost you a dime. Mm. And I was like, man, I live by that. Wiser words were never spoken, my friend. Yeah, it costs you nothing, man. It, you don't lose anything by being kind to people. But so many people fail to do it on a daily basis. And why? I don't understand. 
but that was instilled in me. So it always resonated with me. So I'm able to go to people and be like, how you doing? How your day going? You know, be more about them, make them feel important because people matter. So when you got back from that deployment, your right. mom passed away, you yeah. come back from the deployment. How did you reconnect with your family, with your wife and stuff? You said that you were having those. Yeah, man. So that was a, a difficult stage, man. That was a huge elephant in the room because me and my wife was on the verge of divorce. So all we need to do is just sign the papers. We just need to go down to the courthouse and sign the papers. That's the point that we was at at that time. And, uh, you know, we, we still show face for our kids and everything else. Uh, we didn't want them to, you know, see the elephant in the room, although it was there, it was huge. You couldn't, you couldn't walk around it or anything like that. We slept in separate rooms. We didn't conversate. There was no love involved. Uh, but we showed face for the kids just so, you know, we weren't trying to be detrimental to their, what their balance is, what they know as far as life or whatever. So um, came back to that, um, dealt with the mom. But uh, what happened was in that situation, man, the pandemic hit. So wow. quarantine, <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> so quarantine was uh, the best thing that happened to me. So 2019 was my worst year. 2020 was my best year. Wow. And I only say that due to the fact of, you know, I was able to um, develop who I am today and then also reconnect with my wife, spend time with my kids and, you know, really have that opportunity to be grateful for the things that I had around me, man. Uh, 2020 wasn't the year to get the things that you wanted. It was the year to be grateful for the things that you had. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> hey, you you have brightened my day just by investing into us in these moments like just the nuggets that you're dropping i don't even i didn't even have enough paper i'm i'm just going to have to go back and listen again and continue to take <laughs> notes again and I again and again this. uh so man that's a that's an amazing situation to go through to be able to come back from to be able to see and to fulfill that spiritual resiliency side to be able to drink from that canteen in order right. to overcome what are some professional develop? Actually, you know what? No, let's get into this. Your book, the right. the book is absolutely amazing. Okay, so folks, I got an audio copy, and I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to that much. I'm just going to listen to enough to to know where to go with this interview. No, I sat down one full setting all day today at work and just listened to this book. It's from combat to comeback: how to conquer the battles of adversity. And this isn't your first book. This is like book three or four. Four. Book number four. Okay. And it is it is absolutely amazing. Like Thank there, you. there is so much in there. Folks, I, I have read books before by people who were telling personal stories and and trying to connect the dots. Trust me, there, there, everything in this book is a connection. Everything in this book is vulnerability at its best. He puts his heart on a sleeve. He tells you the raw, the dirty, the ugly, but then he teaches you how to clean it, how to, to shine it, and how to put it back on the mantle. I'm telling you right now, folks, it is, it is amazing to be able to hear how he connects, how you connect all these different pieces together. So why don't you tell the listeners, kind of just give an overview of what the book looks like. Absolutely. So the book from, from Comeback to Comeback, man, How to Conquer the Battles of Adversity is a, a book about, you know, just uh, conquering the, uh, the battles that we face. So a lot of people, whenever you tell them 
um, combat, when you speak of the word combat, they think about Iraq, Afghanistan, all these things like that, right? Actual war. But we face predicaments every day. We go to war with with day-to-day life. Everybody is fighting a battle that no one knows about. You know, we all, we deal with financial hardship. We deal with uh, mental hardships, spiritual hardships. We deal with the physical hardship. We go through all these things on a daily basis, dealing with our relationships with our spouse. That's a battle by itself. It causes so much stress, anxiety, and depression to the point where you just don't know what to do in order to win. So I wrote this book in order to help people to win that battle, to go to know what it takes in order to fight those wars that they deal with on a daily basis, because everybody can come out on the top. Everybody is a conqueror. Everybody can unleash that inner warrior. That's the whole thing about it. You just got to know exactly what you need to do in order to get there. And this book can guide you and direct you in order to do it. Oh, and and I know, and I saw even on the, the bookmark, does yeah. that bookmark come with the book? Yeah, so the bookmark comes with the book, uh, but you have to, it's the autograph copy. That's the VIP copy. It's what I call the VIP copy. So with that, with the VIP copy, you get uh, a bookmarker, uh, a coin, and an autograph copy of the book. Well, then I'm going to have to go ahead and end up purchasing an autographed copy of this because that bookmark by itself, on it is Joshua 1.9. When you can't look on the bright side, I will sit with you in the dark. Right. There's so much truth to that, Joshua 1.9, and especially at the time period that that was written during and and what was happening as they were crossing over into Israel So and the battles they were about to engage in. So that in its own right is just absolutely amazing. Uh, Thank you so much for investing into us. Oh, I almost forgot. Book recommendations from you. I know that authors don't typically give book recommendations except buy my book. Uh, <laughs> but, but what kind of book recommendations do you have for us? Uh, book recommendations that I have for you, man, is uh, what's the latest one, man? I would have to look at. Hold on. I'm about to give you one right now. And I understand that I'm an audible guy just as much as you are. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to a lot of my library, a lot of them are on here. But um of course, you know, um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Uh, another one is The Battlefield of the Minds by uh, Joyce Myers. And then uh, my third one would be The High Performance Habits by Brandon Bouchard. Brandon Bouchard. Three amazing authors, three amazing <laughs> books that I already own. So. You, you got those books, so you oh, know. I already got them. About. Oh, yeah, I so. know. Uh, well, hey, thank you. Do you have any final words for our listeners? Yeah, uh, man, with everything that you go through in life, provide yourself with a sense of grace. Your best day won't always look the same. Nobody's best day always look the same. There will be times where your best day could possibly be your worst day. So just keep that in mind and just give yourself grace. You know what I'm saying? Like either way it go, regardless of what you see right now in front of you, Keep in your mind that the perspective that you see up here can always be what you see out in front of you. Mm. Just always be kind to yourself, man. Those, those, that's the main thing. Either way, go. Like, uh, I can't sit here and, and motivate nobody, man. I just got to tell them, man, like, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for just continuing to move forward behind everything that you're experiencing right now because there's somebody that's dealing with hardship. I just want to let you know that I'm proud. If you're listening to this right now, 
I'm proud of you, man, just for taking the opportunity to listen to this, to uh, invest in yourself, because the biggest investment that you'll ever make is in yourself. There's a quote by Jim Rohn that says, if you invest on a job, you'll make a living. But if you invest in yourself, you'll make a fortune. So invest in yourself, man. I'm proud of you. Be kind to yourself and give yourself grace. Man, again with the nuggets, man. You're just like haymaking. Just you're the Mike Tyson of haymakers <laughs> today. Jeez. Well, hey, we are we are grateful, Sylvester, that you took the time to be able to invest into us because that's exactly what this was. This was a complete investment. And all that we you and I can ask of the listeners is a return on that investment that they Absolutely. invest again into somebody else. Today's episode is only possible thanks to my friend and producer, G. Frazier with 369sounddesign.com. Jeff and I were stationed in Guam together from 2010 to 2014, and I am forever grateful because of that relationship that was created there. Uh, you are the one with the hardest job. I never knew that you did this kind of production before until you reached out to me and asked if you could help. And I am very grateful from that day to now that you were a part of it. We are blessed by the entire team here at the Wartime Leadership Podcast. See you next time. Be blessed.